Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. We are a church with a mission of inspiring ordinary people to live extraordinary lives for Christ. It really doesn't matter who you are, what you have done, or how you choose to worship. You belong here. We pray that this week's sermon blesses you and that you feel God's presence through it today. So today we are in the fifth and final week of our sermon series called Facing Fear. And as you guys know by now, what we're doing is getting into some of the main things the Bible has to teach us about listening to, facing, and ultimately overcoming all those fears that are keeping us from living into the life that is truly life or becoming all that God created us to be because fear is one of those things that just continues to hold so many people back. And so to close this series out, today we're going to be wrestling with a fear that I think we all struggle with from time to time at at points in our lives, which is the fear of things never getting better. Or to help you understand what I mean by this kind of fear, let me just give you a couple of examples. So for me, one of the places where I ran up against this fear is about 20 years ago, right after I graduated from seminary, I had an experience in, in the church where after working a long stretch of not having any days off, dealing with this big issue in the church, and I was just fried and stressed out more than I've ever been. I remember being haunted by the thought one evening after I got home that this is what the rest of my life is going to be like. Or because I'd spent all the time and money becoming a minister and really didn't have any other skills, I felt like I was stuck in that place and it wasn't a good place to be stuck. Another place where I've experienced this fear is through my mental illness. And for those of you who don't know, since about 18 years old, I have been battling severe anxiety. And the anxiety that I'm talking about here is not just being overwhelmed by a brain that never shuts down, although that's one of the fun parts of it. No, for 12 years before I started taking medication, my life was controlled by frequent panic attacks, severe heart palpitations, dizziness, and this fear of not being able to eat without choking. I mean, it was just absolutely crazy. And what I remember facing almost daily as I struggled with this mental illness that had basically come in and taken over my life is the fear of things never getting better showing up and only making things worse. Another place where this same fear seems to show up for a whole lot of us is after we have been working for about 20 to 30 years and have gotten to this point of exhaustion. You know, not only trying to keep up with work, but with kids and life and everything else. All the while, retirement doesn't even seem possible, right? It's so many years away. Again, that fear pops back up as we think to ourselves, this is my life. I'm stuck and things aren't going to get any better, at least for a while. For others, I see this kind of fear showing up after they've lost a loved one. This is one of the places I see it most. And that now that their person is gone, their heart, their world, their entire existence has been shattered into a thousand pieces. It's into those places of deep darkness where the light doesn't shine for days, months, and sometimes even years where the fear of never, things never getting better, and it really rears its ugly head. And then the last but not least, another place where I continue to run into this fear is when something bad or unexpected happens in our lives. Think divorce, accidents, losing a job, major surgery, you know, a troubled kid, 
or what I'm talking about here, those moments where something just comes out of the blue and your life is never the same again. Well, what I have got to witness in helping to minister to people who have had something bad happen to them is that as they're going through it, especially if they're facing one of those things, it's going to take a long, long time. It's going to be a long process. Is that fear of things never getting better, settling in, and slowly but surely stealing their hope, their fire, their life, their energy, their joy, which only makes their already difficult situation even more excruciating. Or how many of you, if you get really honest with yourself, have ever dealt with this fear of things never getting better? Yeah, I think it's all there. I think even, even young kids experience this fear of things never getting better. Okay. So, so now that you get that, now that we've kind of set that as our foundation, what we need to get into next is how we face and overcome this fear, starting first with what not to do. Here's what you can't do. So based on my experience, the wrong thing to do when faced with this kind of fear, which, by the way, is the biggest temptation you will face in this place, is to allow yourself to believe the lie. Or to actually listen to that, that voice of fear saying over and over again in, in your mind, it's not going to get better, it's not going to get better, it's not going to get better. And the reason why you can't let that lie come in and take over is because what usually happens when we start to believe the lie is we get to a place where we just give up. Or, or instead of holding on to God in that place, and instead of holding on in our lives and doing what we need to do to work ourselves out of this mess, we just give up. We stop trying. We settle in. And when that happens, there's no more forward progress. There's no getting better. There's no freedom. There's no walking out of that darkness and back into the light. Or what happens if we actually believe this lie is we make that lie come true. We become a kind of self-fulfilling prophecy in our own lives where we end up getting stuck in that same miserable place for the rest of our miserable lives. Or how many of you might know someone who lives in this way? Anybody? Right? But here's the thing. Those people who are living in that way aren't really stuck. They've just believed the lie and they gave up, which is why they're in this place. So please, 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 you cannot believe this lie because this lie really does have the ability to steal your entire life if you will let it. Okay, so, so now that you get what not to do, let me now walk you through the story of Joseph, one of my favorites, because I believe in his example, we find God's solution to facing and overcoming this kind of fear whenever it rears its ugly head in our lives. So, what you need to know about Joseph is Joseph was the second youngest of the 12 children born to Jacob. And where things start to go wrong for this young man is out of all of Jacob's sons, Joseph is daddy's favorite. He's the one who gets special treatment in the form of a coat, right? Which doesn't sit well with the brothers. And by the way, is the worst uh, parenting style you can ever have. By the way, don't have favorites. That, that's not going to work. There's all sorts of drama in that. But anyway, that's what's going on here. And then what makes things worse for Joseph is not only does he act as a kind of informant or a tattletale for his dad on all of his brothers when they've done something wrong, but he also has these weird dreams that make him seem better than his brothers, which he actually shares with his brothers instead of keeping to himself. So, of course, his brothers get to a place where they absolutely can't stand him. 
And so given all of that, or given that snitches get stitches, what eventually ends up happening is that on one of those days when his dad sends him out to check on his brothers again, his brothers, they've just had enough. They're fed up and they're going to do something to get rid of him. So eventually to get rid of him, instead of just throwing him in a pit and allowing him to die, they sell him into slavery, which lands Joseph in the land of Egypt as a house slave for Potiphar, an official of the Pharaoh. Now, to get into the desperate place where Joseph finds himself, you've got to only stand that not, understand not only did his brothers just sell him into slavery, which is absolutely horrifying in itself, right? He's going to spend countless hours in therapy just on that alone. But now as a foreign slave in Egypt, he has basically lost all of his rights, all of his freedom, and now possibly for the rest of his life, he is going to have to do what someone else tells him to do no matter what that may be. And even more than that, he's not even seen as human in their world. He is less than human. Oh, and by the way, Joseph's probably about 17 years old when this happens to him. I mean, just imagine being in that kind of place, being your 17-year-old self. But here's the amazing thing about this story, why we continue to come back to this story over and over again. How we find Joseph responding to this situation that is far worse than what any of us are probably ever going to face is he doesn't just give up and give in. He doesn't just believe the lie. No, what we find Joseph doing in this hopeless place is he begins to practice ora et labora. Ora et labora. And I want you guys to say that with me so it'll stick in your brains. Ora et labora. Yeah, so what ora et labora means, it's a Latin phrase for pray and work. Pray and work. And what it means is as a people of faith, not only are we called to ask God for help, especially when things are bad, but while praying for God to save us, we're also called to get up and go to work doing the best we can with what we've got, right? Moving in that same direction, working with God on this thing that you're praying for. Or to make this practical, let's say your marriage is on the rocks, so what it means to practice ora et labor is not only to pray for God to come in and work and save your marriage. That's the foundation. But then as you pray, you need to get up and do what you can do to join God in the, in the work of saving your marriage. Ora et labora. Well, that seems to be exactly what Joseph does in this difficult spot. Or instead of giving up and giving in, which would have been easy given a situation, how we find him responding is while he continues to cry out to God to save him, he also goes to work devoting himself to doing the best he can with what he's got or doing the next right thing. But then what makes this story even more remarkable is after Joseph is eventually thrown into prison for doing the right thing, right? The injustice of all of this going on here. He, he's avoiding the seductive moves of Potiphar's wife. What do we find him doing in this place that is even more hopeless than that? Right? He's in prison now. And when we think prisons today, we, we think about what we see on TV. In the ancient world, prisons were basically holes that they threw people into. I mean, there seems to be no hope. People are just thrown in there and then they die. So I'm sure it would have been easy to give up. But instead of giving up, again, instead of believing the lie, we find Joseph, while continuing to cry out to God, doing the best he can with what he's got. Or, I don't know about you guys, but I think if anybody had the right to give up, if anybody had the right to believe the lie, it's Joseph. He's sold into slavery and now he's in prison for doing it right. Why wouldn't you give up in that place? Yep, that's not what he does. He starts practicing aura 
at Labor, which in turn, and against all odds, for those of you who have delved into this story, not only does it get him to the place where he becomes second in command of the prison, even though he's a prisoner himself, right? He becomes vice warden of this prison that he's a part of. But after years and years of rotting in that horrible place with really no hope in sight, we find that because Joseph never gives up on himself or on God, eventually God shows up to do what only God can do. Or more importantly, we find that God has been behind all of this the whole time, helping Joseph become the second most powerful man in all of Egypt, which probably couldn't have happened any other way, who not only goes on to save the Egyptians, but most importantly is the means through which God ends up saving his family. Or Joseph saves those brothers who threw him into slavery, which is a whole other sermon in itself. Which, by the way, would have never happened if Joseph would have believed the lie and just given up. Okay, so now that you're getting your brain around Joseph and his kind of journey from being a slave to then a prisoner to then the vice president of the most powerful empire in the world at the time, what I hope you're now starting to see regarding what he has to teach all of us. So what we need to do the next time we find ourselves in one of those difficult situations in life when we feel like we're stuck, when we feel like things are never going to get better. First of all, we can't believe the lie. We can't believe that voice that will come over and over again in your head. And secondly, we've got to practice aura et labora. We've got to continue to cry out to God in those places to save us and then get up and do what we can do to join God in that work. Or... As I think back to my struggle with anxiety, which, by the way, um, one of the reasons I'm bringing up my anxiety today is, one, you guys need to know kind of my background. I'm actually going to do a whole sermon on this kind of a testimony. But there is a, um, we have a mental health crisis going on in our country these days. And I know that people are really, really struggling. And even around our church, uh, we don't have anybody in the church, but there's a whole lot of people connected to the church that are dealing with suicides of young people and old people. And so I want you guys to know, um, if you know someone, if you've got someone who's struggling, tell them to come to me. Tell them to call me. One of the blessings that God has given me through all of this is I have the ability to help other people in a way that a lot of people can't who don't understand. And and so when I think back to to my mental illness and, and all I was dealing with when I was so young and just trying to get things figured out... If at any point during that process, I would have given up and given in, if I would believe the lie that things are never going to get better, which, by the way, for those of you who are struggling with this, that's something you hear in your head constantly over and over again. If I would have believed that, then that's where I would still be stuck today with no hope. I'd still be living in this place where my mental illness had control of my life. But because I chose not to believe the lie and to, to aura et labora, I now sit before you guys as a man who, in a sense, has been set free. And it is absolutely amazing. Which, by the way, you would have never known in a million years. I've been doing this ministry thing for a long time. You would have never have known the anxiety that I had in my life. It's something that happens behind the scenes kind of thing. But now I'm set free. And then again, what God has done with this particular thing that I've wrestled with is there is probably 100 people that I've already talked to that because I'm a minister and I'm honest about it, Like, oh, you know, if he can do that, then so can I. This is not a stigma. This is something that happens to human beings, right? And how many people I've seen go get the freedom that that I now have 
And they just needed permission. They just needed to know someone that as a minister is not scared to talk about it. So if you know anybody who is dealing with a mental illness, um, give them some grace and mercy. It's not something they can control. But more than that, if they're struggling, reach out to them, check on them, visit them, have a conversation. Let's do what we can do to make sure that this stuff doesn't continue to happen. Anyway, so that's, I don't know where that came from. That's not a part of the sermon, but apparently it needed to come out. So what I want you guys to get is in the face of this fear of things never getting better, and I think 90% of you guys raised your hand, may we learn not to believe the lie and be a people who pray and work and pray and work and trust that if we'll keep doing that, God will meet us where we are and set us free. And not only that, but God can use those things in our lives to help others to do good. Let us pray. Father, as we wrap up this sermon series, it is my hope we now have a much deeper understanding of this, these fears that come into our lives and take over. Help us to understand, Lord, even though they're a normal part of life, that we don't have to buy into them, that we can hold on to you with everything that we are. And in the face of this fear of things never getting better, let us never believe the lie. Let us never give up or become that self-fulfilling prophecy, but to be a people who hold on to you and practice aura et labora. Pray and work, pray and work, knowing that eventually you will set us free. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon, and we hope you are able to join us next week. To learn more about FCC Great Bend, visit us online at firstchristianchurchgb.com. Again, that's firstchristianchurchgb.com. God bless and have a great week.